what many people don't actually realize is that when you do a deal, when you sign a term sheet, you need to read a term sheet very carefully. So many, many entrepreneurs think that a term sheet just says, I will give you X amount of money for Y percentage of your business. And they think that the term sheet ends and starts there. So I think there, I think there are a number of misconceptions. Hello and welcome to Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, a source of inspiration and actions from African leaders and founders. Today I have the privilege and pleasure to welcome Alexandra Fraser on our podcast. Alexandra, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Thank you, first of all, so much for having me and um, inviting me to participate in this podcast. Nice. I'm really, really happy to have you as uh, as guest today, Alexandra, because we will touch a subject that for me and I think for many fellow African entrepreneurs involves a roller coaster of emotions, and that subject is funding. From the moment you embark on the journey of fundraising for your startup, the experience of the first multiple rejections until you finally close your first round of funding, it's a never-ending roller coaster. I think that once you've done it once, it's soon, if you have a high-growth startup, you very quickly realize that you, as soon as you've gone through one roller coaster ride, you have to prepare to get on to the next roller coaster and raise again and again. And every funding round is different. And um, yeah, learning how to, as you use the analogy of the roller coaster, navigate those twists and turns and and sudden drops and and emotions. Yeah, exactly. And we better be ready for it. Mm-hmm. But b- before we dive deep into the subject, I would like to plant the decor for our audience and so that they get to know who is Alexandra and what is it that you do. Sure. Tell us, um, tell us a little bit, a little bit more about yourself. Thank you. So my name's Alexandra Fraser. I am based in South Africa, but I've worked uh, throughout Africa. And I started my career in early stage funding. So I've worked for a number of different types of funding organizations, including a government funding agency, corporate funders, venture capital, um, seed funding organizations, uh, I've even worked with the University Technology Transfer Office, so supported startups and uh, high-growth businesses in a wide variety of sectors, and most of them were all early-stage businesses. About six years ago, um, I started my own uh, consulting uh, practice and strategy firm, and honestly, it's because I knew that there was a great need to help entrepreneurs in becoming investment ready and really enjoyed working with the entrepreneurs. And by um, moving out on my own, I could work with a number of different entrepreneurs and in many different sectors and many different jurisdictions. But also at the same time, I've always been very interested in angel investing and was 
I saw very early on that some of the most successful businesses in terms of raising additional capital and in terms of achieving their milestones and growth had an angel investor involved and thought, how do we get more angel investors uh, to start investing in startups and investing in African startups um, specifically? So got involved with the African Business Angel Network when it was founded just over five years ago and have been a member of ABAN and throughout ABAN have worked with the ABAN team on a number of projects, training new angel investors and have also started an angel investor group in South Africa as well. And most recently, another joint project with ABAN has been the launch of the African Angel Investment Academy, where we are currently training 50 new angel investors across five African countries, um, which we're very proud about. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, interesting parkour indeed. Um, so you are actually on both sides of the investment spectrum, I would say. You are an angel investor and, and on the investment side, but you also, as I understand, uh, train, uh, coach, uh, angel investors. Yes, yeah, so I think I am passionate about building a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. And... To do that in Africa, there are a number of different things that, or pieces of the puzzle that you need to solve. And so I have somehow gotten myself involved in a number of those pieces of the puzzle. So the first part is how do we support entrepreneurs to make them more investable and to prepare them for the fundraising journey. The second is how do we also help develop programs and entrepreneur support organizations to help these entrepreneurs on this journey. Then we also need uh, capital. So how do we also develop angel investors to invest into these startups? And then some of my other work also looks at policies. So how do we also create an enabling environment for everyone to work together in this ecosystem? Wow, super interesting. So Throughout your, your parkour, I guess you have seen a lot of African startups trying to get funded. Um, what set apart the successful ones from the others? Oh, that's an interesting question. I think the one big standout is when a startup has done their homework and they've really understood what a funder is looking for and what characteristics they need to demonstrate in their business and in their growth plan for an investor to be interested. Mm -hmm. I think one of the fundamental issues is that with many ecosystems, um, there is a there is a belief that just because you are an entrepreneur or you own a business that your small business is a startup and has the characteristics of a startup and will be attractive for investors mm -hmm. and in, so i think entrepreneurs need to understand that every business is different and there are different types of businesses and likewise, there are many different types of funding and capital. 
And typically, high-growth businesses attract fairly high-risk funding from angel investors and venture capital investors. And so those investors will look for certain properties. And everyone has a slight flavor or, or different set of criteria. But what happens is that you get a great match when you when the entrepreneur really understands exactly what the funder is looking for and vice versa, when the, the funder understands how the entrepreneur is building a business to kind of allow them to work together and there is that kind of match. So there, there needs to be that um, two-way dynamics between also from the funder towards the startup and vice versa. I think it's also, you know, especially in the early stages, a lot of it is to do with personal relationships and how well you get on with one another. So it, there's a lot of human aspect as well. So does an investor feel like they can add value to the business beyond just the capital? So often it's around, a, a, you know, um, very likely that if you approach an angel investor, they will want to know how they can assist you to build the business beyond just providing capital. And vice versa, it's also to, you know, it's also about the entrepreneur. Is the entrepreneur open to investment and coaching and advice and mentorship? So there is also this kind of, it's the relationship is beyond just merely the, the investment into the business. It's also about how do these two parties work together to build the business. And that's, I think, what's absolutely critical. Yeah, indeed. And I think you, you've touched something which is really interesting. Um, in the entrepreneurship community, in the startup world, we tend to think that um, the involvement of investors is just financial, whereas it, it, goes, it can go above that. Uh, with the involvement of the of the funder in in terms of uh, connection, networking, and uh, and sharing of knowledge, which is something very important. But sometimes um, founders tend to oversee that. Absolutely, I think sometimes a founder would rather take capital from an investor who might not necessarily have invested in an early stage business before. They might provide them with a better valuation and they might just provide them with capital. But there is a, there, you know, then there are advantages and disadvantages to that. But many businesses that have been really successful have got strong relationships with their investors. And those relationships extend just beyond capital so it's about the ability to provide strategic advice and guidance it's the track record and the experience of understanding perhaps the sector knowing who key players are in the market and are able to introduce you to potential customers um, or, or strategic partners and that shortens the sales cycle dramatically and so by working with an investor that is knows the the business knows the industry they are there to provide you with often a lot more support and hand holding um which 
in the long run will actually save you significant time and money and allow you to grow faster. But also by having an investor actively involved in the business, they can also help you navigate this kind of the journey of being an entrepreneur. So are able to participate in a board, are able to assist you to raise follow-on funding, are there to uh, really um, work with you to build the business. Whereas passive investor or an investor that just merely gives you the capital, if they don't understand the journey and they don't understand the sector, they'll probably be a lot less accommodating when there's setbacks or when you miss milestones. They will probably get frustrated if you ask them for capital again and they're not expecting you to use more money. Um, they might take a lot longer to make key decisions because they haven't been involved and they could slow kind of additional fundraising rounds or possibly even an exit down the line. Often it's better to perhaps get someone who can add more value but might, you know, give you a lower valuation initially because they're going to be a much more active uh, investor. And I think entrepreneurs also forget that once you get an investor into your business, you can't necessarily, it's not that easy to get them out. So it's not, it's not like you can say to an investor, well, if you don't, if you don't want to be an active participant in an, in the deal, then you can go and sell your shares on the stock exchange. Um, it's a very different uh, type of entity. And so that relationship and that trust is so important because it's going to be a long-term relationship. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a seven to 10 year relationship. I don't also think many entrepreneurs realize that. It's a long-term relationship that you get into with your investor, even your early stage investors. Um, they're going to hold a position in the business, even if it's a small position, probably for a long time. And you are going to have to work with them closely. So it's good to have a good relationship with them and to be able to see how they can add value. So you better from the, from the very beginning to, to ensure that you are, you're making the right choice in terms of uh, who are you going to partner with in terms of uh, funder. Absolutely. And just as a funder will do due diligence, on you as a business mm -hmm. you should also do as an entrepreneur you should do your due diligence on a funder so if you have someone who wants to invest into your business it's really important that you ask them who else they've invested into what other businesses um, have they helped support and you go and speak to other entrepreneurs who have worked with this funder mm -hmm. to see you know how did they manage the business also, you know, what role did they play in the business? How actively involved were they? Where did they add value? Um, how did they act when things were good? And how did they act when things weren't going so well? So that's also very telling about people's behavior also when, because also when you're raising money, it's the, the it's a good time. You know, everyone's feeling optimistic about the, yeah. the business. Um, everyone is has has seen the potential and is um, anticipating that this business will do well and and achieve great things and grow quickly. Uh -huh. But the reality is that many businesses go through those dips on that roller coaster in the in the longer term roller coaster, and so it's also about when your business is struggling. 
So when your business is impacted by uh, a big major event outside of your control, like a change in regulation or um, COVID-19, COVID-19, exactly. How does, you know, how do your investors support you? How do they, what, what do they do to assist you in times where things aren't smooth sailing? Mm -hmm. Can you like, can you rely on them? Can you lean on them? Or it's a, it's a branch that you absolutely cannot hold, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting that you, you, you point to the fact that, um, you know, when we are starting the funding journey, um, be it uh, seed funding or, uh, you know, the, the very, very first stage, um, everybody's very enthusiastic. Everybody has this drive. Okay, we're going to make it. But then um, how, how do you think uh, should entrepreneurs manage their relationship with their funders after funding? Is it just uh, reporting and balance sheet? So I think what many people don't actually realize is that when you do a deal, when you sign a term sheet, you need to read a term sheet very carefully. So many, many entrepreneurs think that a term sheet just says, I will give you X amount of money for Y percentage of your business. And they think that the term sheet ends and starts there. So mm -hmm. I, think there, I think there are a number of misconceptions. So the first is that, uh, you know, you will just do a pitch for a panel of investor investors and someone will suddenly say, yes, I want to invest. And they're going to write you a check or give you a term sheet right there. And they're going to agree to your valuation and, and there might be a little bit of negotiation, but that's it. What many entrepreneurs fail to realize is that the term sheet includes a number of very important clauses in it. And every term sheet is business is different, but it's your business and in your best interest to go and look at a number of term sheet templates and read through a term sheet to see what kind of clauses they include and what does that mean for your business. So typically in a term sheet, it will also show or detail, for instance, does that investor want a seat on your board? Mm -hmm. What kind of access to information does that investor require? So how many, if you have a board and you have shareholders, what, how frequently do you need to meet as a board? Do you need to have an annual general meeting for your shareholders? There are also typically clauses in a term sheet which also dictate how involved a shareholder will be or an investor will be around certain decisions. So they will have what's called veto rights or they will have certain rights. And those rights often relate to decisions and decision-making in the business. Mm -hmm. And the, as soon as you start raising funding from external investors and you start getting shareholders, the position of the entrepreneur actually changes in the business. It is no longer the entrepreneur deciding how to run the business it is actually the entrepreneur will now manage and run the business on behalf of its shareholders. So even though you as a founder might still be a significant shareholder, you will still be 
and have an active role within the business, you are now accountable to the shareholders. And the shareholders are the owners and effective managers of the business. And I think that's a very important transition and that Mm -hmm. you will, yes, you will, as an entrepreneur, you will be involved in making decisions, but there will be collective decisions made by shareholders as a group. And that is how the relationship will be managed. So there will be a shareholders agreement, which details the relationship between you, the founding team, or then you'll probably be an employee as well as a shareholder and the rest of the shareholders. And you will then need to set up structures to manage that relationship. At very early stages, most startups don't necessarily have a board and it's not very formally structured. But it, even if you have a board of three people, and that could be yourself as a founder or maybe your co-founder and one or two angel investors, mm-hmm. it's a really good idea to start actually running that board and meetings properly, having minutes, taking resolutions, because that actually helps you when you go through due diligence at the next round, because it demonstrates that your business has been well run and that there's some governance structures in place. And that's a definitive plus when you will want to go to further rounds. Yeah, other angels might require you to have a different structure in terms of reporting and managing to them. But I think from an entrepreneur, what's absolutely critical is that you think about how you are going to communicate with with your investors and how often you are going to communicate with your investors. I have seen really fantastic entrepreneurs write a email to their investors and shareholders and even potential investors every single week, perhaps on a Friday, literally with five bullet points, giving them an update on what's happened in that business that week. And it could be as simple as we signed up five new customers our revenue increased as this, we've done this, we're on track with our technical development. So it's literally could be five new, five bullet points. And that consistent, clear communication is such a valuable tool when managing the relationship with your investors, because it gives them very clear understanding of exactly what's happening in the business on a week to week basis. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know, Alexandra, like for um, with all these startups that you have seen and probably funded, how aware the funders, the sorry, the founders were about all of this that you just described, you know, uh, relationship management and setting up of structures, governance in, in, in their company. How aware uh, were they or are they? Uh, mainly into our African landscape? Sure. I think, so one, one thing to note is that every country in Africa is different in terms of rules and regulations and legislation. So it's really important that you think about how you are going to, you know, whether you have to have a board, whether you don't have a board, what pieces of legislation you need to be compliant with in your jurisdiction. So that's number one. And you need to ask advice, chat to accountants. But generally, entrepreneurs are not very aware of how they need to manage their investments. 
investors. They know, and, they know they have a brilliant idea and that's it. Yes. And I understand because, you know, if I kind of put my other hat on, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you are so busy with the day-to-day work of getting things done that often that reporting element, that communication element, it's often, you know, it's important, but it's not urgent. So you park it and you shelve it and you're like, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. But actually it's the process. It's the discipline of constantly reporting and which is, is critical. So it's about routine. It also is really important that you take half an hour or an hour every week just to step back and reflect on what you've achieved and what you've done. Um, and also to see where, what things are falling behind, what things are slipping, are there, are there issues down the line? Um, you know, are there potential delays? And then thinking through what the implications of that are. Um, otherwise, I think you can get so caught up that you don't um necessarily reflect until it's kind of three months later i mean you can report every three months and you know your reporting might also change as the business grows um but i think especially when you are in a business and you might just be one or two people it's also really i think from an emotional you know you use the emotional roller coaster analogy but beyond just fundraising, running a business is an emotional roller coaster, and it can feel like a very lonely journey. And um, many, many entrepreneurs often suffer from depression or feel like they're not doing enough. And that process of actively reflecting on what you've achieved on a regular basis is a very, very powerful thing because it can show you how much you really have done and assist you in feeling that sense of agency and that you're building and creating and you are moving forward despite the day-to-day challenges that you could face. Wow, definitely. Um, I I would like to have your perspective of um, the African VC and angel investors landscape. Uh, because it's a landscape where you are, you are yourself very active. What, how would you describe its current state of affairs? So the, the landscape is definitely growing and we've seen a number of different uh, trends over the past few years. The first is that we are seeing more angel groups starting. So we are seeing more and more active angel groups start up across the continent. We are seeing more early stage funders across start up across the continent. We are also seeing more international investors and funders looking at investment opportunities on the continent. However, there still are a number of challenges. The first is that the amount of funding, while it is growing, it's still not sufficient. The amount of funding specifically at the early stage or seed stage or angel stage is still not sufficient. So we're seeing that there are many, many businesses who are looking for funding and are not able to access that early stage funding. Mm -hmm. Um, We're also seeing that 
there's quite a lot of Series A funding, but as soon as you need larger Series B or C, you often have to move overseas and raise funding overseas. So while there has been a dramatic increase, Africa is a really big continent and we've got many, many businesses that need support and we still need a lot more active angels, seed funders and venture capital funders. The other thing to note is that the capital is not evenly distributed. We're seeing that some ecosystems have dramatically more investment and capital uh, than others. Mm -hmm. So we can see if you look at the number of startups that are raising funding, the majority of capital still goes into businesses founded in South Africa, in Nigeria and Kenya. Egypt as well has quite a significant investment um, ecosystem. But the smaller ecosystems across the continent need more funders and need more angels and venture capital funds. So I still think there's quite a big difference between the different ecosystems. All right. And, and you touched the point of um, the seed funding stage. And also the fact that uh, there, the fund is here, but sometimes the startup, does, the startups does not have access to it. Why is there this, uh, I would say, inefficiency in that market? So the inefficiency comes from. So often seed funding is funding which is. So angel funding could be considered seed funding, but seed funding could come from a government source could from, come from as a form of a grant. It could also come, seed funding could come in the form of a, um, when you participate in an accelerator program or from a competition. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing that many ecosystems have some seed funding, but they often are ring-fenced to a particular country or a particular sector. And they're not widely distributed. So there are very few seed funds that operate across multiple countries. I would say maybe Seed Stars is one exception. But um, if you look at all the businesses that participate in the Seed Stars program and then how many get funded, you know, that's, that's probably one of very few examples across the African continent of how startups from every country can access a pool of funding. So we're needing to work with the private sector and governments and other funding agencies to say, how do you fill that early stage gap in, in particular countries? Even if you ask the fairly well-funded countries and ecosystems like South Africa or Kenya or Nigeria, if you ask people in their ecosystem, is there enough funding? The answer will be no, especially at the early stage. So, you know, but then if you ask someone in, you know, perhaps Namibia or um, Botswana or, uh, you know, Ethiopia, you know, they will say, well, there's, you know, compared to, you know, South Africans and Namibians, I mean, South Africans and Nigerians and Kenyans shouldn't complain because they've got so much funding compared to what we have. So I think the answer is there's a lot of work to do and there's still are funding gaps, even though the amount of funding is growing. And thank God we have um, networks like yours and uh, initiatives like yours that can uh, is helping the ecosystem 
in, on both sides of the ecosystem, actually, you know, um, the founders the, and, and, and the startups. So that's, that's really nice. Alexandra, you, you provided some really key and eye-opening insights into the subject of funding, you know. And on top of that, with that African perspective, which makes it even more relevant and valuable. Uh, I'm sure like me, our audience will, will take a lot out of it. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, on, a, on a concluding note, if you had a piece of advice regarding how to approach funding for our entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial community, um, what would it be? Thank you. Um, so I'm going to end off with a number of different points. So the first is research. Have a look at what funding options are available and what their criteria are. So do your homework. The second is that you need to build relationships with funders and with people in your ecosystem before you need them. So your ecosystem and the relationships that you build are critical and they will help you in getting access to funders and potential partners. So the rule is always build those relationships and this is why networking events are so important. Then you also need to really think about your business and is it fundraising ready? Do you have the time and the resources to commit to raising capital? So raising capital is a long process. It's often a fairly expensive journey in that you often need to spend time and resources looking at raising funding instead of building your business. So you really need to make sure that it is the right decision for you as a business. And then to really ask yourself, what happens if you don't raise this funding? Is there is there another way that you could continue to grow the business without necessarily having the capital injection? And lastly, it's just about if you do embark on this fundraising journey, just to really give yourself the time and space to, and time, uh, more importantly, time to really uh, raise a funding round properly. So spend you know, if you, it's, it takes a long time to raise capital in Africa. So be prepared to spend six months raising capital and start early and constantly be prepared to pitch your business, to talk about the work that you're doing, to demonstrate your traction. And <laughs> I'm going to say the last bit is just good luck and don't give up. Um, you know, I think there's a especially now with, you know, these tough times is you need resilience as an entrepreneur and to stay strong and to keep going. So those are my pieces of advice. But, wow. and, and speak to others who've been, you're not the first entrepreneur to raise funding. So find someone who has done it before and ask them questions and learn from, learn from other entrepreneurs because you know, I think everyone is happy to share and to help you along the journey. Um, you're not riding the roller coaster on your own. So it's also just important to, to realize that. But thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And I've really enjoyed our conversation today. 
Uh, thank you, thank you, Alexandra. Uh, as I said, it's, uh, it was amazing to have your, your insight and uh, I'm sure our audience will, will be there taking notes and it will be very, very useful to, to our entrepreneur, entrepreneurial community. So it was a pleasure, Alexandra. Thank you so much. And uh, Thank you so much. Yeah, no, it was a great session. We really enjoyed it. So Jason, Mark, what are, what are your views? Uh, I think today we've, we've learned a lot of things and uh, we have some really interesting insights from Alexandra. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting journey, uh, you know, raising funding. So it, uh, I think that we are discussing that as well, the three of us, how we move the, this, this uh, um, venture of ours forward. And, I, and as I was saying, um, to her, so I, I, I'm on the course actually uh, of the African Angel Academy, and, uh, and I'm going through all the all the modules around you know what's what's uh, angel investing is about, and I think that what is important to to understand, and that's you have a long conversation about that. It's it's not just an angel asking for funding, uh, sorry, a, a venture asking for funding to angels. It's it's an angel who choose actually a venture to invest in so it's not a hey we need money just bring us money it's hey we need money but we need more than money we need we need you know somebody to hold our hands as well because it's it's completely new you know yeah we we want to get accompanied we want insights we want help and so it's it's really a partnership and uh, and i think that if the partnership works and and everything clicks then the startup can become a scale-up. So to me, that's that's really, really important. You are not just raising money, you are signing a partnership. Yeah, you know, as, as, uh, as Alexandra pointed out uh, repeatedly also, it's a, it's a long-term relationship you're building. And you better start on the right foot from the very beginning because it's not as if in the middle of it you will be like um so it's not working thank you very much bye it doesn't work like that you know in in, in funding and yeah yeah and you know one thing i find interesting as well is in terms of again if we if we compare to like the developed um, ecosystems uh, startup ecosystems compared to the african ecosystem one of the things is you see this power dynamic and you know in, in, in developed um, ecosystems, it tends to be in the hands of the founders. You know, they have the choice of different people trying to invest in the companies. They have much more of the power. However, in Africa, you know, I think the perception at least is that it's swayed much more to, to the investors. So you tend to get startups who literally will accept the first offer that they get regardless of like you know like alexandra mentioned about doing their homework or finding out you know have they had other ventures you know we are driven into this model of you're supposed to get funding after this many months or this is your first stage so you just go into it as a way of progressing your business without really maybe doing the same strategical thinking you would have done with other business decisions you know so I, I think our ecosystem is developing and I, and I think it's one ecosystem with both parties, both the entrepreneurs and the, the funders. But we have our own dynamic and 
we have to stop playing to this same story that, that goes on elsewhere and really look at it in our context. And I think founders have a responsibility, and I also think the funders have a responsibility of continuing this conversation between the two sides so that we both develop together. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Mark, anything else you would, uh, you would like to share before um, we conclude? Yeah, well, maybe, maybe um, one, one thing, because I think that was a feedback as well. It's completely outside of the discussion you, you, you guys had, um, but it's, it was a feedback from, a, from an angel from Egypt, which, um, who, was, who was basically saying, don't go too deep into the, you know, the legal implications and all those things. So um, uh, getting funding, yes, there are a lot of, you know, uh, from the term sheet discussion. So there are a lot of things that needs to be discussed. That's for sure. Uh, but don't get stuck into the rut of going too deep into those things. Okay. This is startups and this is business centrals. We're not talking about millions of dollars. We're talking about, you know, seed funding or, or angel investment, which is generally, uh, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars, which which is a lot of money for many, many people. But for a company, it's just the money that will kick them really to move forward. So don't go into the the the, 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 the thinking and wow, you know, it, it seems very complex. I'm not going to go that route. It, it, it will cost too much. It will take too long. No, it's it, it, it re, it's, it's a requirement if you want to raise money uh, to go and discuss with those guys. But the more you pitch, the better you become. And and don't go too deep. It's just, well, sometimes it clicks, sometimes it does not. But let's go for it. It's just money is there. Just ask for it. Just do it. MVP again. Go for it. All right, guys. As always, it's it's a pleasure to have to to, to discuss with you guys. You know? it's, uh, I, I love to spend uh, every week like this and sharing insight with you, bouncing back out the ideas. Really cool. Thank you so much for being part of the show, Jason, Mark. You've been listening to Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, a source of inspiration and actions from African leaders and founders. Today, we had the immense pleasure of hosting Alexandra Fraser from Fraser Consulting. See you next week for more inspirations and actions from across the African continent. 